0: Okay, I'm excited too, let me tell you. Uh, Before we get into this, uh, whatever it is, um, let's just pray for this wonderful um, story we just heard. I just want to pray for Alicia and her baby and the husband before I begin. So, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that Alicia shared her story and um, all the times that she saw you working in her life, Lord. And Father, um, I just am confused about how prayer works. Um, I just want every woman in the room to be praying that this baby's going to live to be a strong, healthy, godly man, Lord. And I know you hear our prayers, but I also know that you are praying constantly in the heavens Uh, interceding. You see this baby. You knew he was there. You're like, surprise, surprise. Just you wait for my big surprise. You love those. Um, We don't really like the waiting. That's a hint. Um, But you, Lord, are interceding for her and the son, and we ask that you do protect and strengthen them, and that you would give her peace, give her husband peace, Lord. I pray that this boy will be a testimony to your goodness all the days of his life, Lord. And I ask... um, that we would get to meet him and uh, celebrate all the things you've done uh, one day, Lord. And I know that you're the one who holds all things together. And uh, just like you kept baby Moses safe in the Nile, we ask that you keep this baby safe today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Wait, I got to do this. This is no good. There. Okay. So... Do we have my amazing slide? Thank you, Jaleese. I have less slides. Last time she was like, are you kidding me? And I really looked for a clicker machine, but I couldn't figure it out. If only I was married to like a tech guy that could help me with that. (laughs) I didn't think to ask though. Um, So here we go with my message, why should I care? And here is a picture of the high priest. And I just wanna encourage you all, blessed are you ladies who are here today even though you don't care about the high priest, you don't care about Melchizedek, you didn't know how to pronounce his name and you don't want to learn it. Blessed are you, ladies, who are here, even though you joined this study full of hope and optimism, and every week now feels like preparing your taxes. You know, God knows your heart. And he's not surprised. He is so glad that you want to draw near to him, that you're willing to keep coming, that you're willing to keep putting in the time and the effort and just driving here week after week because you want to draw near to him, and it's hard. And I just want to remind you that there's a couple parables where Jesus hinted it might be like this, so we shouldn't be surprised. I think of the man that was looking for treasure in a field, and then he bought it the whole field because he wanted the treasure but just think of him like those guys with the metal detectors like how much time did he have to look before he found this treasure it was a lot right think about the lady who searched in her house for the coin the lost coin that was not like a good time she was having there but she knew the treasure was worth it so I just want to encourage you that God knows that it's not always a picnic getting into his word and he is pleased with us when we're in that wilderness and he feels far away, but we're like, where are you? He's like, I'm just so proud of you right now, so thank you. Um, Why should I care? Well, the reason I wrote this message is because, frankly, it's a little hard for me to feel like warm and fuzzies when I think of the high priest. I think about all the children's books that I've had for kids, which is a lot, and none of them ever show Jesus in this getup. They show him as a shepherd, And they show him with the little children all around him. And they show him on the cross, which is kind of the pits. But nobody's like, hey, this will really win the kids over. Let's put him like a high priest. So why does the writer of Hebrews care so much about this? Good question. I didn't know. And so I thought I'd do a whole talk on it. That was a really good way to torture myself. But that's who I am. And I was really blessed. Um, Maybe you'll get a little encouragement, too. One thing is, um, I think we have a problem with the word priest, right? Like, the word priest is associated maybe with the Catholic tradition, if you're from that, or um, I don't know, but something weird and foreign and not very Protestant American kind of thing. And we're like, priests are weird. They have them in other religions, not my religion. I don't need priests, right? I don't want a priest, Um, but let's look at what the Bible means when they translate the word priest. So Jalice, if you'd be so kind to go to, oh, that's not the first, oh, there we go. Okay, so we who did the Genesis study looked at um, the Garden of Eden and um, thought about how that was like the first tabernacle, right? I'm like looking at the time, Hmm. okay, Um, okay. Yeah, okay, so um, the first tabernacle, so who are the first priests? So we're thinking about, and I think this is weird because I always think of the Garden of Eden was like the whole earth. No, if you read very carefully, the Garden of Eden was a small part of Eden. And then they got kicked out, if you want to go to the next slide, um, they got kicked out of the garden. But the people that lived in the garden the first priests, it's implied, especially if you look elsewhere in the Old Testament and in uh, church history, this is not that radical. Now, if you're really into the idea of how could Adam and Eve be the first priests, and you want the easiest way to learn more, uh, you can Google the gospel or the Bible project. The Bible project has a story on the priests, and you can watch like a five-minute video and be like, that's really cool, and then you can read more if you want. But if you think about if that Garden of Eden was the first tabernacle, the first priests were Adam and Eve, and they were, the, the thing that made them a priest is they lived near God, right? So then they get kicked out, uh, the next one, is um, because they, wouldn't, they wanted to live independently of God, and God's like, you wanna live independently of God, me, I'm not going to destroy you, but I am going to remove you from my presence and so they were moved out now. Remember when we studied how in Hebrews they said man was moved a little or was a little lower than the angels. Think about this: the first priests their jobs was to um uh keep and serve in the in the garden, keep and serve in the garden. That was kind of code for what the t- the priests did in the temple um And one of the jobs that they lost, which is keep, which is like guarding the temple, was given to the angels, right? So they lost some of their priestly duties when they got kicked out. The angels are now guarding the temple. Instead of Adam and Eve being good priests who spread all around the world the garden by cultivating it. Remember, they're supposed to multiply before the curse. They were supposed to spread that garden all around the world. They lost that. Instead, now they're out of the garden. They're further away from God. And so, this is our big problem. We are no longer living near God. We are no longer able to um, approach Him because there's something wrong with us. And there's something wrong with our community. And there's something wrong with our identity. And we need someone to help us because we want to get back near God. Now, in my little picture, you can see that, you know, Cain and Abel—they had like little altars. They're like, we want to get near God. And the bigger you screwed up, say murder your brother, the further you have to go away from God. You know, so right away they're trying to get back there, but we just can't make it. We need God to make us. So the next one, Jalees, is um, God kindly gave us the temple system, right? Well, we're kind of like, yeah, the temple system—that's so out of it man you guys that's that's worse than neon spandex that's so way out we're not into that anymore but if you think about it god gave us priests and they helped people come close to god right so you had different categories you had unclean people they had to stay way out of the temple until they were cleansed then you had the clean and they could come closer but they can come real close And then the holy could go in God's house. But only one guy could go into the holy of holies, and that was the high priest. And he could only go that one day of the year. And so Um, if you go on, let's look at Hebrews now and see what it says. Here's that part of one's love. And like, I'm going to cross-stitch this today. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, but a better and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. So the old law couldn't transform us personally; um, we couldn't get fixed enough to be that high priest. But the new law is is that the new high priest, his hope is contagious. So if you remember. The old high priest had to do all this stuff. He couldn't be near dead people. He couldn't be near sick people. He had to do all this washing. He had to be really careful because you all, with your germs, you know that poor Aaron, you know, his kids were wiped out for bringing that false fire, and they're like, yep, you can't deal with it because that means you can't be the high priest. That was pretty tough. Jesus is our new high priest, and he's the opposite. His holiness is contagious. The woman... With the bleeding, she was unclean. Now, she did nothing wrong. That's that's not what it meant to be unclean. It would be wrong for her to go in the holy. Holies, that would be a sin because she knew she was unclean. She knew there was something wrong with her. But when she touched Jesus' robe, his holiness was contagious. He could transform her by his holiness. Um, Part of our big problem was guilt and shame. And Jesus takes away that guilt and that shame as in his role as high priest. He's like, come with me, and I will take you into that holy of holies. There's no shame with me. You just come to me, and I will take you there. Uh, think about Matthew invited him. Matthew, the tax collector, invited him to have a meal. Jesus had no problem because he wasn't going to get unclean from uh gentiles and tax collectors he was contagious zacchaeus was that wee little man the tax collector who was a traitor right he was working with the oppressive regime and jesus said come on you you can walk with me and and uh he said something really good i can't quote him anyway zacchaeus was another example of how jesus's holiness as the high priest was contagious okay so let's look at um hebrews 1 3 um Yeah. Okay. So we start off, and I really love the way Hebrews starts off. Like, Hebrews 1, I'm kind of like, it's like the first chapter of the Silmalarian. It's the only part I like. This is the only part of Hebrews I normally like, because it's like so clear, right? Because Hebrews starts off with this. Jesus being the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. So Jesus represents God the Father. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus holds the whole universe together. You know, he spoke the word into, into existence, and he's keeping it together. He's the ap- opposite of chaos. He brings order. He, uh, like the spirit over the waters, is coming to bring order to the world and to, to creation. And whenever you're like, what's going on, Lord? Just remember, he's holding it together. And then it says, when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, it's easy to skip over that because that's weird talk. We never talk like that. But let's think about when did he make purification of sins? On the cross. Good. On the cross. So what happened when he was going to the cross? The soldiers struck him again and again. They spit on him. Now that's a way you shame someone, right? They mocked him, they took off his clothes and put the purple robes on and was like, ha ha, you're the king, and knelt before him as they beat him, right? When he walked to the cross, the people near him hurled insults at him. The chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves, saying he saved others, he can't save himself. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Do you see the picture of shaming on Jesus? He is so shamed. You know, Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. They were naked and not ashamed. But after sin, they were filled with shame. And they should have been shamed because they were guilty. But here is Jesus. He had no sin. And think of the shame heaped on him. Finally, he's crucified on the cross, naked, not even with the loincloth, Outside the city, which is like a double insult, you know, you took the sacrifice outside the city. The shame that's on this man who should have had no shame. He took all of our shame on himself. He knows what it's like to be shamed. He remembers. He bore our shame. And then what happens? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What a reversal. He went from being so shamed and despised to being the most honored. He's not just the high priest in the Holy of Holies, like, I got a little bell on me, and I got a little rope on me. Maybe if I die, someone can pull my corpse out. No, he goes in the Holy of Holies, he does his work, and he sits down next to the throne, next to that Ark of the Covenant that's in heaven, not the one on earth that's now lost, He sits down in honor, and he says that we're at one with him. We have his honor. Why? Let's go to the next slide. For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings the pioneer of their salvation. He's the pioneer, he's the first one to go. All of you who are not Native Americans, we followed the pioneers here, right? All of us who are in Christ, we follow Jesus. He's the pioneer and we follow him through the sufferings of our lives, through the shame of our life. We can follow this great high priest who will lead us near into the Holy of Holies and we can sit down with him, It doesn't show us sitting down, really. It shows us worshiping him in heaven one day, right? When heaven and earth are reunited and this whole earth is fixed and reclaimed and the new Jerusalem is here, we'll be coming to him to worship in honor. We'll be dressed in righteous robes. We'll be around glory. And it won't be because we came to Bible study today. It won't be because you didn't yell at that person who was a real jerk when you were driving here. It won't be because of anything you do. It'll be because of what Jesus did and because he chose you, because he is chosen, and he had to be like us. He couldn't be like just a God. He was a man who was chosen by God, and we're like him, chosen by God. We didn't deserve it, so we can follow in his footsteps because he is our high priest to lead us there. Um, I love this part here in 11... For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. So we all, we're like related to Him. And that's why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed of you. He loves you. He's proud of you. He uh, says this I will proclaim. Now look how I've indented it. Um, That's because this is a quote. From the Psalms. It says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again, I will trust him. That's another quote. And again, here I will say with the children God gave me. That's from Isaiah. But let's go back to that Psalm. You'll never guess what Psalm that's from. Psalm 22. Now, who's a Bible nerd that knows how that Psalm starts? Anyone? I had to look it up. Yes. Chris, this... That able man, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just think, Jesus was on the cross saying those words to the Lord, but he knew that whole thing. That was a psalm of ascent. Or he would sing that psalm. He would know the whole song, and he would think, for the hope set before me, he endured the cross, it says. He's thinking that he will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. He endured all that because he was thinking about us. About proclaiming our name, um, for talking to God, talking about God to us. What a wonderful picture. Okay, let's see. We got five minutes. We'll max it out. Uh, yeah, I got halfway through my slides. You guys, I had 70 slides when I started. My husband's like, "What?" Anyway, yeah, I started. I got it down to 14, and we're getting through about seven. So yay. Okay. So let me skip. Oh no, the next one's super good. Okay, we're gonna do the next one. Um, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This makes no sense to me, like... Oh, Jesus had everything you face and he never sinned. I'm like, great, he's so good. It's like going to the gym and you're like, nice workout lady, you're so fit. You know, I, just, I, don't, I don't find that very comforting to be around someone who does everything perfectly, and I don't, and I clearly want to do everything perfectly. Well, so I had to unpack this. And I just think if you're like me, you might be comforted that what he's trying to say Is that Jesus, since he never gave in to temptation, he knows the full force of temptation. You know, me, I just had a little temptation and I'm like, "Ah, never mind. He's like, oh, no, I know how bad it can get. I know if you're addicted that it can be really bad. I know that if you're really afraid, like the guy uh, cried blood, right? So he knows what it is to be really afraid. He knows... He knows. He has sympathy, and he knows how hard temptation can be. But he also knows the way to help, because he did it. Not because he was a superpower God, but he was a man. It wouldn't help us if he was just a God, because God's they're superpowered, right? He's saying, I can help you as a man get through this. So he's saying, with confidence, come near me. You can get mercy and help. So he's saying that don't focus on ourselves and our own effort when you're in temptation. Focus on him, his character, and what he's already done. You know, we're already with Christ. He's in us, and he said in his high priestly prayer in John, he said, let them be one as we are one, right? I and them, and they and me, and it's just beautiful. Uh, Think about that. We are in some ways already secure. So it's like, Lord, just remind me who I am. Remind me that I've already defeated this. Remind me that this eternal situation is going to give me victory today. So the next one is um, about 725. He says, therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Save completely, some translations say, saving to the uttermost. You know, you think this might be about the salvation prayer, but it's not. It's about uh, people who need practical salvation for today. We need help and victory over sin and despair and guilt and shame today. So he's saying that he's always able to intercede for us. He's there, his holiness is always working for us, it's not on us. It's, it's depending on him. Our salvation is complete because uh, it depends on his finished work. He's sitting down. He's gotten the work done. Okay. Well, we're going to make it, I think. Uh, Therefore, brothers, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Let's skip down. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Do you, need, do you feel confident? Do you feel like you have a full assurance of faith? I don't, because I'm kind of a perfectionist, and I'm always like, oh, you screwed up again. God's like, there you go again. Yep, you're one of the unsaved people. Now you're finding out, because this was the day you blew it. Um, I have that voice in my head, right? Go back to that temple picture. The high priest would take the people. He would tell them how to go from being unclean to clean and clean to holy. We need this all the time. This is part of our daily life. This is what Jesus said. Remember when he was like, he says, uh, Peter's like, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus is like, unless I wash you, you can have no part of me. We need to be washed daily to go from that clean to unclean, clean to holy, um, or unclean to clean, clean to holy, this is what we're talking about, confessing our sins daily, being like, oh, God, this world is contaminating me with its sin again. Here I am. I'm adding to the pollution. I'm broken. This is a broken place. I need to be cleaned up so I can go into the presence. And he's like, okay, here we go. We got this big basin. I'm just going to wash you right up. Thanks for bringing me your sins. I'm your high priest. Washed you up. Good. You can go in and worship now. You know, That's part of the system. Such an encouragement to people that we can have full assurance because of that. All right, last slide. Whew, it's a minor miracle. Okay, hope for living closer. Um, I mentioned this earlier. We haven't gotten to this part yet, so sorry to whoever's teaching on that part. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Knowing that he went through the shame, knowing that he went through the isolation, can help us know that we have a destination that, we can focus on, we have a person with us that'll get us there. And he wants us to draw near and not to run away. So I'm really encouraged by that. I hope that helps you as we're reading through the rest of Hebrews uh, to be excited that you have a high priest and not just freaked out and turned off. Thanks.